It's Monday, it's midnight, it's my top ten. Uh, this is the last of the series, last in series one. People talk about nice round numbers, but I think 16 is a nice square number. So I'm going to finish the series here in episode 16, and we're going to finish the series on a high note with comedian and actor Beck Hill. Here it is. So they just burnt down his wine bar. Anyway, joining me this week on my top 10 podcast is Beck Hill. Hello, Beck. Hello, how are you? I am very good, thank you. I'm glad to be here with you uh, in wintry Camden. Yes, yeah, Camden's nice though. Also, when I say how are you, I'm not just asking you, I'm asking your listeners. Right. Because they're here too, aren't they? We're in their ears. Should we pause and let them respond? Yeah, how are you? Oh, that is an answer. Yes, Uh, glad to hear some of that <laughs> i think we got away with it nathan did we okay yeah. shall we move on quickly before anyone notices yes yeah okay beck what is your life story but in only three sentences born in adelaide i mean i could have gone with a long sentence but i didn't i went for a short one born in adelaide you could still extend it that could be a born in adelaide in the 80s and then lived in hong kong for a little bit and back to Adelaide and then, oh, I've, I've genuinely forgotten English, which is just as well, given what my top 10 is today. Uh, and then um, I guess started comedy after high school and now I live here. I think that might all have been one sentence. If you yeah, yeah there was a lot of ands, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, no, I'm happy with that. Happy with that, lovely. So we've, we've uh, caught up with you as soon as you've landed in the UK. So let's find out... Uh, probably since you've been in the UK, but maybe a little bit before, uh, three career highlights. doesn't have to be sentences, just three highlights. Ooh, um, I would say I, you shouldn't apply awards to highlights because they're not really within your grasp. Like I, I always say, well, I've just learned this and someone told me this in, a, in August. They said you should never make your goals something that you can't control. Right. Which is why you probably shouldn't say like, oh, a highlight for me is when I got my first five stars. But that is one of the highlights for me. And I remember it purely because it was the day after I had one of the worst gigs that I'd ha- had up until that point. And uh, it was probably a good seven or eight years ago now. But I, did, I had a really horrible gig and it made me question everything. And then the next day I got my first five-star review and it made me realise just how subjective what we do is. Um, so that was probably one highlight. Um, and then the second highlight was um, I a couple of years ago I did a show about how I wanted to win an award, which was sort of a bit tongue-in-cheek. But then that won the first uh, Comedians or Performers' Choice Award, the, uh, the Barry's in oh, Edinburgh. Yeah. So, um, which now has a proper trophy. I didn't get that. I've got a co- photocopied certificate in a 
in, in not even in a proper frame. It's just like a piece of glass that is sort of sandwiched in, which, uh, but I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that that was the first one. And that's, you know, there's a first for every award. I think Stephen Fry won the first big award. So I'm basically Stephen Fry is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, you could probably go back to them now and say, can I have a real award, please? I'll wait until they're even better. They're still, you know, they're still a bit, bit small. I'll wait until they're like all gilded and everything. And they asked me to present the final one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, third career highlight. Um, The first one that comes to mind is I think the first time I managed to turn around a hard gig which was when there was, it was like at 1am in Edinburgh and it was filled with very drunk people, including a front row of uh, sort of 50-year-old men who were on a golfing huh. sort of trip, like tour of the world. So like not only were they rich and entitled, but they were also um, very drunk and there's a lot of privilege going on and I remember as soon as I walked out on stage they just started making noises and I just thought oh I'm not even they they, I got wolf whistled and I thought it was really strange because I I dress like a child so people don't tend to wolf whistle me because it sort of makes them look a bit like a pedophile and um and I remember walking out and thinking oh this is going to be horrible and I I ended up reverting I do comedy for kids and I ended up reverting into my kids set and just treated them like children and they really went for it and it meant that the rest of the audience sort of relaxed and enjoyed themselves and I had a really nice gig so I that always sticks out to me it was quite a while ago but it was the first time that I realized that uh just because it's a tough one doesn't mean that it's going to remain a tough one and that that mean that was quite empowering and was it a real risk in your mind when you thought okay I'm going to go into the kids mode here but were you thinking oh this could go either way I think I sort of panicked and just sort of went like what's the most basic stuff I can do that won't yeah. involve them having to listen to too much and uh yeah it, it just sort of revert I don't think I planned it but I just sort of reverted into that into that role because they are drunk people are like children people say they're scared of doing kids gigs and I always find that really strange because at, like Kids gigs, it, if you do adult gigs, they're just as risky. Like there's always going to the risk of like of people being horrible or, or heckly or whatever. At least with kids gigs, I, I can fight them. I won't, but, you know, like I could. I could take them on. They're small. But also I think kids have, don't have children, no desire to have children. But I'd assume because I've got dogs that kids just like dogs in that they'll forget things immediately. So if something were to happen at a kid's gig... It wouldn't be like they would. No. I don't know. I don't like. I realize I'm just like staring at you, and I think it's because I'm trying to think. Because I think some kids are quite sort of forget. It, it depends. I think how you present something. Because sometimes stuff goes over kids' heads and they don't even notice. But then there's like I remember when I was about six, um, and we went to a parade, and there was a busker, and the busker got me to. He had like one of those monkey bikes, his tiny little bikes. And he asked if anyone wanted to have a go riding it. And I did. And I managed to ride it for quite a while. And and then afterwards, when everyone gave him money, he came over and gave me a dollar. And I remember that to this day. I couldn't tell you who the busker was. I couldn't tell you what I was wearing. But I remember that. And I think you do, when you're a kid, sometimes when you're involved in something. I try and remember because I think sometimes, like I got a kid on stage at the last kids gig I did because beforehand his dad brought him up and said oh can you um 
you're one of the comedians do you mind if my son wants to tell you a joke and I was like yeah yeah of course and and uh you know they're quite simple jokes but they're very cute and um and I'd heard them before but I've gotten pretty good at feigning surprise (laughs) and uh I went on stage and I was doing my set and I realized that I hadn't set up a sound cue that I needed to do my closing bit. So while I set up the sound cue, I said, um, uh, um, I think his name was Eddie. I said, um, oh, uh, I need to set something up. But um, Eddie, would you mind telling the audience your jokes while I set them up? And his and sort of he came up and his dad sort of encouraged him. And he went up and he told his jokes while he did that. And the audience all went for it because he was adorable. And um, yeah, that was his uh, that was his debut stand up gig. And he's going to remember that. He's yeah, going to remember right. his first stand up gig. So kids aren't like dogs after all, are they? No, unfortunately. <laughs> so I've had a couple of your Comedy Club for Kids cohorts on, uh, Tian and, and Jay. Yeah. Um, and they both struggled, uh, he says, suddenly doubting this answer because Tian seemed like quite a long time ago. I think they might have both struggled uh, remembering their best heckle from a kid. Can you, off the top of your head, now I'm putting you on the spot, think of a great heckle that a child has given you? Um, the best heckle I've had personally... I think two one one was a kid said he was going to um, rip off my head, which was I was asking about superpowers and he's like I'll rip off your head and I was like okay. Um, Did he uh, push you it, uh, follow it up with shitting down your neck? Is that usually how it goes? I'll rip no, off your head and... no. He did stop at that point, um, but that was I found that quite entertaining because it was just so violent from such a small kid. I think my favourite one wasn't so much as a heckle, but I was asking kids. I said, oh, um, I'm, I was born in Australia. Uh, where, where were you born? And uh, um, and then a kid sort of put up their hand. Actually, I didn't even ask. I said, I was born in Australia. And a kid put up their hand. And they're like, I was born in Ireland. And I was like, cool, cool. And another kid was like, I was born in Ireland. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, I was born in England. All right, cool. I was born in America. I was like, all right. And then this tiny child put up his hand. I said, yeah, mate, what's up? And he went, I was born in September. (laughs) And I was like, that is adorable. It was so cute. It was really sweet. The best heckle I've ever heard was uh, Ben Vanderveld. But I don't, I was there. I was present. In fact, so was Tiernan. But I don't think that's my story to tell. I think you'll have to interview Ben Vanderveld to get that one because that's very much his heckling story. Thank you very much. But it is glorious. If it's you could, the best uh, kid heckle I've ever heard. You're in charge of helping to facilitate that. Now. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Marvellous. Um, so let's move on to your top 10 proper, Beck. What is the subject? Uh, so subject is uh, foreign words. By foreign, I just mean non-English or, or other countries other than the UK. Um, and I say that loosely because actually one, uh, well, there's a Welsh word in there. So even then, that is technically the UK. Um, but yeah, so I've gone for top 10 Top 10 foreign words. And have you had any criteria uh, that you've set yourself when choosing these words? Because there are a lot of words to choose from. There's a lot, yeah. I try to mix it up. um, I try to mix it up, especially for you, because I wanted a mix of things that I like because they sound rude. Um, Things that I think are necessary words that we don't have in in the English language. And um, just some things that... uh, When I literally translated, are just quite funny. (laughs) And looking at them, they all feel very on brand thank you whatever brand beck is they feel like they fit within it yeah good good 
It's what I'm always uh, striving for. And are you able to mention that it's a precursor to a flip chart? Can we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to turn this into a flip chart. Um, so by the time this goes out, uh, you'll... I don't know. It depends when this gets put out. You'll either see a flip chart for it or if it's quite soon, then uh, uh, follow me on social media and you'll eventually see a flip chart made of these words. I can reveal exclusively that this will be out on Monday. Oh, there you go. Well, there definitely won't be a flip chart by then. Yeah, I'd love to say I can make them in two days. But uh, no, alas, it'll probably be sometime next year. (laughs) And just for those listeners that aren't already aware of you, Beck, because they've been living under a rock somewhere... um, (laughs) Uh, paper puppetry and flip chartery yeah uh is is your big thing isn't it it's yeah it's kind of my it is very much my usp and i've i've i'm leaning into it now i think for a long time i was trying to prove that i um uh, i'm perfectly capable of stand up without the flip chart and i am like i can you know i can definitely show up to gigs without the flip chart and have a solid set but uh, it is something that has helped me stick out and it's something that other people aren't doing, thankfully. So um, I've decided to start allowing myself to make more of them and, and put them out there because I do really enjoy making them. Um, sometimes it does feel like I'm in a bit of a double act where uh, the flip chart's more popular than me. <laughs> oh, I like, the, I like the thought of that, though. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. And it's interesting because a lot of the flip charts that are, are the most popular ones are the ones that are sort of to to a soundtrack. And so I don't talk during those bits. I'm just, I just sort of flip them over and, and make these uh, little mechanics work on the page, a bit like a pop-up book. And um, every now and then someone on social media will sort of, after I've done a video where I'm talking, will go, oh, Oh, that's what you sound like you know they don't realize I have an Australian accent or they um, I I don't know I guess they just apply their own voice to me in their heads so it's um yeah it's really true because I'm a very talkative person as well so I find it funny that there's people out there who don't actually know what my voice is like <laughs> <laughs> and how long is the process of conception to perform in a flip chart um it depends on uh <laughs> mainly depends on how much I'm being paid if, if I'm being paid because if I'm being paid and there's a deadline then I I will work to that deadline so um if I if I need to make one within two weeks I will make one in two weeks and um that might involve having to cancel all my gigs for two weeks or it might involve having to push back a bunch of uh, meetings or something so that I've got the daytimes free to storyboard and, and get all the materials and then start actually engineering them and making them. Um, but generally when I make them and I and I have my own deadlines or at least uh, a far enough deadline that I can enjoy myself, what I try and do is uh, make a page a day and then that way if I'm really in the mood for it, I might make a couple of pages if I am hating it and just not in the mood for creating, then at least I've made one page and I've hit my creative goal of that day. So I go away spending the rest of the day feeling quite good. Um, so that process uh, can take a couple. If it's a page a day, then that'll take maybe three weeks. Um, and then the actual conception of them. I think it doesn't take long, but actually when I think about it, it's several days of of going through stuff and, and trying to work out what would make the best visual thing and then um and then if there's music i tend to spend um about a week listening to whatever the music is on repeat um so that i come up with these ideas usually when i'm walking um and then uh 
if I remember them when I get home, I'll quickly scribble them out. That's the trouble, isn't it? Remembering them when you get yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing worse than when you're on that sort of roll in your head and you think, I better write that down. But also, you know, as soon as you go to write something down, you might miss out on what the next thought would be or the next thought, the next thought. You yeah. don't want to pull yourself out of that sort of roll. So, um, yeah. But, you know, that's that. If that's a if that's a tricky thing in my life, I have a pretty blessed life. So... <laughs> Sure. So let's get into the words themselves. Um, so you said that they needed to be sort of on brand. Well, I put the words in your. Or I said it, didn't I? They need. They all felt like deck sort of words. Um, but were there any more criteria than that? Did you want to sort of only have one from a certain language or anything along those lines? Or uh, I what I no, I wanted to have. Um, I didn't want to double up on languages. Yeah. Um, which was hard because there's a lot of great ones in German. Oh, they're so good, the German ones. Um, but oh. yeah, I didn't want to double up on languages. And I tried... Uh, it's tricky because we're, we are based... Well, for now, we're based in Europe. And, um, well, no, we still technically are ge- geographically. Um, and so it means that uh, um, we... A lot of the words that I find are spelt in English, um, which sort of limits you then to languages that uh, ones that we speak in this area of the world and and that we use English uh, letters for. So I tried to find a few others that were outside of Europe um, that didn't necessarily use our our letters. Uh, just to get a little bit of a mix in there as well, which was great because there's so many out there that like I hadn't heard of or some there's every now and then there'll be like a list where someone's like, oh, words that we should have in English. And it's always schadenfreude and stuff like that. And I was like, well, we all know those words. That's, so let's try and find some that we haven't heard. And how have you found them? Uh, mainly um, through asking for them, actually. I did some research, but I also... Um, uh, I've I've started sort of crowdsourcing my um, content in a in a vast sort of way. So I I've started asking people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, so in this case, I was like, "What's your favorite non-English word?" And then I'll get two hundred replies on Facebook, and you know, two hundred fifty replies on Twitter, and like a hundred replies on Instagram, and then I'll sit down for a day and read them all, and then try and and then of course, then you're trying to work out if they've been spelt correctly and whether they are correct, or whether they've come from someone who actually speaks that language, or whether it's someone who had heard it from someone who had heard it from. There was one that was really brilliant, but I couldn't find proof of it, and I think either they'd made it up or someone had told them that and they had then assumed that that's true it was something like skoda had a cap or something like that which was like someone who wears a cap while driving a skoda or something you know and that's kind of believable because in some languages there are very very literal words yeah but uh but yeah i couldn't find that one anywhere when i tried to look for it so um yeah, I, I really like asking people for their stuff because um, at first I used to get very worried about that because I didn't want I didn't want it to seem like I was being lazy or or stealing stuff. So I'm quite open when I say to people I'm looking for this sort of stuff for my next project. Um, when I made the last flip chart uh, that's up, um, when you listen to the radio when you're hungry, um, I already had a bunch of ideas in my head, but I didn't have enough. Um, and so I, yeah, so that was 
an instance where I, I asked people what it was and then crowdsourced a lot of them. What I tended to find was someone might have one that that maybe half a line worked really well and then I would go and listen to the song and realise that it, there was actually a little bit more that I could apply to that and play with the words and the misheard stuff. So, um, yeah. So that was how I managed to source my source my foreign words. So you're almost like the face of a hive mind. <laughs> uh, I mean, that sounds very egotistical, doesn't it? I think it's more that... Um... No, I said it. I'm not... <laughs> You've not said it. It's not that's egotistical. That's true. That's true. If I agree, though, then does that make it egotistical? I think um, I like the fact that... some I like replying to people and giving them suggestions and words and, and stuff when people ask questions online. And it's very exciting when they use the stuff that you've given them. And for a long time, I was try- I was fighting asking people so much. And then, uh, you know, I, I suddenly realized that those people want to see their ideas being used. Yeah. Um, and they might not have a means for putting it out. So, um, yeah, it's really nice. It took me a long time to get over that that uh, paranoia that I was cheating somehow but I think people have just be flattered that yeah yeah the, the feedback's been great yeah. everyone's been really nice. not one person has said like oh use it and I think it's because I always say you know I'm I'm looking for stuff for the next web chart that I'm making or whatever and I'm doing this and also I'm like all the images and everything and all the engineering that's all that all comes from me so uh it's not like I'm getting people to make the flip charts or give me ideas or suggestions on how to animate them or anything and are these words ranked? Uh, yes, yeah, I have uh, written them in in, uh, in from ten to one, as is the the preference of most top ten countdowns. Marvelous, and also have um, and this is admittedly putting you on the spot a little bit. Have you got any near misses? Yeah, actually, there were a few that didn't make the the final cut. I, there was one thing I found really interesting, which was that in in Thailand, the number five is pronounced ha. Huh? And so um, in like Thai internet speak, people write five, 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 five when they're laughing instead uh-huh. of writing like, instead of writing lol. Oh, just yeah, <laughs> you just did it. And um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, it didn't make the top 10 because it's I probably one of those that's more interesting than it is funny. But um, there you go. If you see five, five, five written from someone, they, they might be either from Thailand or in on the Thailand culture. I think I might use it myself. Yeah, it's pretty good. So number 10 on the list. Uh, Number 10. So starting at 10, uh, I thought I'd start at one that um, I just like the pronunciation. I'm going to play these from from Google uh, Translate um, so that the pronunciation is. uh, This is how Google says they have to be pronounced. And that way, um, when I say them, then I, I can't be told off. Because Google said it was that way. <laughs> um, so the first one I've got is an Arabic word. Uh, I I do have the lettering in front of me, which I can't read out, but when, uh, translated to um, the English alphabet, it's spelled E-S-S-W-L. Uh, it's pronounced like this. Asul. Oh, what Asul. does that mean? Asul uh, <laughs> means honey. <laughs> Which I re- I like to think that uh, if there's anyone who speaks uh, Arabic who is um, uh, you know has an English speaking partner, 
And if they're like, asshole, I'm home, oh, it's wow. caused countless fights. That's what I like to imagine. Yeah. So would you, for example, ever call your mum honey in Arabic? <laughs> I wouldn't call my I wouldn't call my mum uh, honey in English. Uh, but then I also wouldn't call her asshole. Um, she's, she's a good lady. I like my mum. I don't think we've ever had a... We've definitely, you know, had fights, but usually when we fight, they're quite rare and then and then usually quite poignant and not the one where sort of words, cheapened words get thrown around. It's normally normally bigger things than that. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever call my mum an asshole. I suppose we're not really the culture, well, either Australia or England. We're not really the honey culture, are we, I think? Or honey, no, no, we don't tend to say honey here. It's more sweet, sweetie, or sweets. I, I, I get that. Well, then my uh, granddad used to call my nan honey bun. That's very that's cute. Lovely, yeah. I like honey bun, asshole bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like bun a bun. Berliner bun. Uh, uh, the other one I like is um, is it sunshine? Hello, sunshine. I like oh, sunshine. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's a cute, cute term of endearment. That should be someone should do top ten terms of endearment. I'm yes. Adorable. Maybe you could come back on episode 500. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, ha, 100. Ah, that's why you're you and I'm me. <laughs> the callback. Um, so how did your mum feel, sticking with your mum, who's definitely not called asshole, um, <laughs> how did she feel? Her name is Sue, which is so close. Asu. <laughs> so close. How did Asu feel uh, when you did Becca Snatch? Uh, she's great. Um, we'd watched. Be- uh, so, um, Bandersnatch was the, the Choose Your Own Adventure Black Mirror that came out, I think, either just before or just after Christmas. And um, uh, my mum was over from Australia visiting. And we watched it all together and played it for ages, trying to work out what all the different sort of timelines were. And then the next day. Mum and I decided that we would go out and do touristy stuff. And so uh, so I said, oh, let's do Becca Snatch and, and sort of did a, poll, you know, a yes or no type poll situation on Twitter. And um, my mum's always been pretty good at like, she's, she's pretty patient when it comes to Twitter because she knows that I quite like to put stuff on there. Um, and she's a really good sport. So I think at first she wasn't entirely sure about it but then she really liked the we we parodied the bit about the cereal and and uh and she really liked having that and then she started to come up with some of the twists and turns that the story could take later on and stuff so yeah she's great she's really fun and do you think you'll do another uh no i think it was very much of the time i think um the fact that it came out the day after bandersnatch was released was uh um the best timing i think we could have for that and uh and it ended so well. It, I think it was a perfect uh, day yeah. of events. So I, I would hate to try and, and top that. Hmm. Next on the list. Next word on the list. So uh, this is Italian. Uh, it means toes. Dita di piedi. Dita di piedi. And dita di piedi uh, literally translates as fingers of the feet. Because they don't have a word for toes. Like... <laughs> They've been around since Roman times with their language. Yeah. You could argue the Romans were Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Uh, I guess they just didn't see a point in those digits having a different name to the digits on our hands. But I, I like it, fingers of the feet. They're not as good as fingers, I don't think. Well, I say that. 
there's some people out there who are uh, who have to use their feet for certain things and they're very capable so I guess it just depends on what you've managed to to learn over time do you think feet have devolved into what because orangutans and things have like they're quite long fingers feet, don't they, they? Yeah. yeah you're right long long fingers of the feet so maybe in roman times they did actually still have fingers <laughs> quite. i think evolution takes a lot longer than that but i like that as a theory we should spread it yeah it's the internet's good for that let's do it finger toes. that's why they don't have a word for toes because because romans had very long very long toes yeah fact yeah fact. i've had it on the podcast spread it spread it hashtag finger toes finger toes there we go and you're obviously a big fan of wordplay, Beck. Mm. And as a result of not all of your wordplay going down so well in your mainstream normal gigs, for want of better words. Yeah. Oh, how ironic that my words are failing me now. You started <laughs> Pun Run. Yeah, yeah. Pun Run is, was very much an outlet for uh, for all my um, wordplay and, and dumb jokes and everything. And what I didn't count on is how popular it would be with an audience. So, um, so yeah, it's still still uh, still going. We started in 2011. We've got our next one coming out on the 13th of November. And we've, we've started to do themed nights because that's been a really... I only run them once or twice a year now because they're... Um, uh, there's a lot of effort to put them on and I really enjoy them. Um, but I also find that having them as a special occasional thing means that the audiences are really up for it as opposed to getting quite used to it um so we're doing a, a nerd play edition which is uh which is going to be a mix of um actual comedians and then some very nerdy um people from the world of science and maths and and uh, medicine and stuff like that so they're all going to do some nerd based puns which should be really interesting we're working with the festival the spoken nerd on that one and have you already planned your puns or is it an ongoing process uh i haven't planned my puns for that one um i but i have a few ideas so uh but i'll probably wait till closer to the date to sort of suss out what everyone else is doing and what's your method how do you how do you get to your puns I usually work backwards. So I usually come up with the word and then try and work out what the setup would be in order to get to the word. And as soon as people start doing that, you start to realize how easy puns are. Um, so uh, if you wanted to do something about, um, like one of the guests we've got on at the next one is All The Stations, which are a wonderful YouTube channel that visit every station in the UK and make videos about it. Um, and so already I sort of said to them something about, uh, they, they sent me a joke that they were working on, which I really liked. And I said, uh, yeah, you'll be victorious. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, you could do loads of tube lines and stuff, you know, you've got to be barking and, you know, you just got to take the, take the train station and then move backwards. Let's see if you've got like Barbican's a station. So you could be like, oh, when Ken can't, Barbie can. Uh-huh. And, just sort just of as quick as that yeah that's an easy one though i'm sure some of them are a lot harder i so, don't know what i do for tot totridge and whetstone oh. i mean we could definitely come up with one but that it'd just be us sitting here for about 10 minutes and yeah. we'd it, it, there would be a joke at the end of it but not worth 10 minutes of audience time and you can almost feel uh, just from the name itself that you know st john's wood will get you oh, something yeah. better than yeah, yeah. the one that you just said that yeah yeah 
No, no one cares about Tartridge and Whetstone. I'm sorry, Tartridge and Whetstone. They'll be after you. I know. I've got such a big fan base there too. Had. had. I know. Sorry. Rest in peace. Next time. The <laughs> they list. died apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Have you cancelled them? Because they've... I've cancelled them. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's like the butterfly effect, isn't it? All I do is forget the name of the station that you said and suddenly everyone's died and things have been... <laughs> oh, God, next on the list. I don't have to put this one into Google, <laughs> thankfully. Um, I mean, I can try... Let's see what Google says. This one's an Australian term. Uh, but I'm going to see what... I want to see what Google says it should sound like. Hopefully it's got the accent right. Yeah. Right. It's but the thing is only does English. I can't I can't choose Australian on there. Uh, let's uh, let's see. Shark biscuit. Oh, this is shark biscuit. <laughs> it's like RP Australian. Shark biscuit. 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 Um, shark biscuit. Shark biscuit is an Aussie term, and uh, and it means um, kids uh, kids on the beach. So um, so if a shark biscuit is just a small child on the beach. Um, for obvious reasons, because they're not a full—they're not a full meal. They're just a little biscuit. It's like the shark equivalent of a Scooby snack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. or a Scooby snack if they're oh, wearing a. You're so good at these. <laughs> Are there a wealth of Australian words that you could have included? Yeah, actually, there was another one I was thinking of of uh, introducing, which is um, the term pash rash. But in order to tell you what pash rash means, I have to explain what pash means. So in Australia, pash is like uh, making out. So like um, when, when you're pashing someone, you'd be making out with them. And um, uh, yeah, so in Australia, pash rash is the rash you get from kissing someone with stubble. So if you come away with like red, sort of a red rash around your face, pash rash. Wow. Yeah. Almost like a red skin goatee. Yes, yeah, yeah, much more painful as well. Hmm. Um, so Pash Rash is a good one. My other favourite Australianism um, is a No Wuckers, which um, sounds like it, it, it might come from an Indigenous word, which would be uh, more more pure. But um, unfortunately, it's uh, it comes from No... comes from... Uh, I don't, are you allowed swearing on this podcast? Yeah. So it comes from No Fucking Worries. But then people say no wucking furries, and then it just got shortened to no wuckers. Ah. So yeah, there you go. No wuckers like essentially that. means no worries. Yeah. Is that one that you use yourself in day-to-day parlance? Uh, no, actually, not as much. I think because you you start to clip your terminology because you don't want to have to take that extra time for people to understand what you're saying. So like when I'm on stage, I talk about like a packet of chips I'll say crisps because I don't have time for people to try and translate chips to mean crisps and then they miss the punchline because they're too busy trying to work out what type of chips I mean um so yeah it is a bit sad because after living here for a while you do start to lose your own terminology I do I realized um there's one I like uh I think I wrote back to I said I'll, I'll email you on the Arvo and you wrote back Marvo which I thought was great um uh, so Arvo is one I probably still use a lot. Heaps, we say heaps a lot. Um, so instead heaps, of heaps. like, yeah, we say heaps, heaps. And there's another term I realised I use quite a bit. Oh, blowing smoke up your ass. Right. To mean like 
uh, flattering someone, um, but to try and get something out of them. Uh, yeah, I, I, re- I used that recently. I was like, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. And uh, they went, that's the most Australian I've ever sound. And I suddenly realized like, oh, that's not just a generic saying. That's that's a very Australian saying, apparently. So. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was quite a generic one. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Well, there you go. Maybe your friends were a lot of Aussies. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> implies I've got friends. So yeah. when you were a shark biscuit, uh, yes. or a comedy shark biscuit, um, I've seen... Uh, a sketch of yours on YouTube uh, where you're talking about your sweat patches turning into a Venn diagram. Oh, yeah. Um, and also something that's recurred. Also, I don't know where that is. It's just YouTube. Just YouTube Beck Hill. Oh. Um, and it's, it's not on my channel. Oh, really? Sorry. <laughs> I drifted into illegal I have to try streams. and find these illegal bootlegs of my sets. Shut it down and yeah. claim back the advertising money. <laughs> um, and something else that has cropped up in hearing you on podcasts and in your most recent show, I'll Be Beck, uh, is um, you saying that you, you're not sure that you're ever going to be able to reach your Je ne regret Rien peak. Oh, yeah, yeah. I say that. Well, I said that and then it was ironic because I wrote that show um, in 2018 and then earlier this year, I, I, I made uh, the um, When You Listen to the Radio, When You're Hungry uh, flip chart, which which has recently reached over 20 million views, which has far outweighed the views of the Edith Piaf one. Um, and I had to sort of make light of it in, in I'll Be Back and sort of uh, make fun of it and say, oh, it's, I'm just using the same technique. It doesn't make it better than the Edith Piaf flip chart. But um, uh I think that helped somewhat realize that I, I'm not done yet, <laughs> but for a long time I was getting, people would say to me, I remember I said to one woman, uh, um, she was saying how much she liked the flip chart, uh, the Edith PF one. And for those of you are listening, basically I just, I do a misheard lyrics of uh, non regret Rien. And a woman said, that was amazing. And I said, thanks. Sometimes I worry I won't ever make anything better than that. And she said, oh, you won't. <laughs> and I just remember getting really paranoid after after that. And of course, I know she meant it to say, like, no, that's how good it is. But, but um, yeah, it is a bit scary to think that you can't do any better than that, you know, that that's the best thing you'll ever make. Um, but I think I'm somewhat getting over that now. But can we take, let, can we just go off on a tangent and take mm. the Venn diagram idea yes. and the Edith Piaf idea yes and knock the shit out of it and try to find a venn diagram of a song that you might use like in a future one so what factors do you need so obviously it needs to have the potential for misheard lyrics yes i'm confused by the venn diagram so we're gonna make circles with our yes no i know what a venn diagram but i'm trying to explain what the are you trying to segue from my material about sweat just to get into the word venn diagram yeah. That's very confusing. <laughs> you could just say, let's make a Venn diagram. But I like I like how much effort you've gone to to make that connection. Yeah, that's you're right. I didn't even need to do that, did I? I could have just said, let's, uh, let's blue sky. Yeah. Let's, let's blue sky. So it needs to be a song that has lyrics that can be misheard. Yes. And lyrics that can be misheard in a humorous way. Yes. And it can't be too fast. Yeah, yeah. So it it is quite um yeah, it, it can't it can't be too fast cuz then I can't um if it's a if it's a lyrics one, if it's a misheard lyrics one, 
then um, it makes sense to have all the lyrics written up. So if it's a fast song or there's a lot of lyrics in it, then um, most of your page becomes text, which leaves very little room for actually drawing any pictures. Um, also, if the pacing is, even if it's a, even if the words are slow, but the pacing is fast, then that could be quite difficult because the energy makes people think that you need to be have multiple pages that you're flipping over in time with the music. Whereas Edith Piaf is nice because it's almost a um, uh, I've forgotten the word. Um, like it's a proper French. No, no, I didn't forget the word French. But thank you for. <laughs> um, no, like it's just a it's a longer song. It's sort of more of a um, uh, not an anthem, but a sort of ballad. Yes, a ballad. Yeah, it's very much a ballad, and um, so that was perfect for it. But um, but then I uh, the. Uh, I'm currently in the process of making a second um, when you listen to the radio when you're hungry flip chart and that's been difficult because there's some songs that definitely sound like they're about food but they're um, yeah they're too fast or there's a few where they sound great but then the last couple of words or the last line of that section of the song uh, it doesn't sound like anything different or too hard to misinterpret or the, the lyrics are too clear or too well known. Yeah. Um, and then that means you're not ending on a punchline. You're not then revealing a final, here's the last word that sounds like something it shouldn't. Um, so, uh, so for instance, uh, Thunderstruck, when it starts, it's got a great, you know, but it sounds like they're going banana, na, 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 thunder, banana, na, na. And I thought, oh, great, I could put banana in there. But thunder, I couldn't quite find anything. They they say thunder quite clearly. And I couldn't quite find a a food or anything that sound that sat in it nice. And I was like, I could say yumda, but it's so clearly a third, not a yeah. And then on top of that, it it, it then kicks off into the into the song and those uh, lyrics don't quite sound right and then of course you want the audience want, would want to sing along but then you'd want to cut into the next bit and so in the end I, I, I'm not using that bit at all but um, you know you'll spend like an hour listening to something over and over again trying to find how to make it work and and eventually go oh actually this isn't going to lend itself to what I need it to do. Snow Informer would be perfect because there's no way of knowing what he's saying. But it's so fast, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, I wanted to do an opera song, actually. And then I found out that the, the lyrics were too... Were actually too muddied to make it sound like it was a clear misinterpretation because um, it, it's almost like they could be misinterpreted into any type of words. And, and those are... It's more funny when it almost sounds like they're exactly saying what it is, but you know they're not. So um, uh, that's why uh, um, I want to hold your ham uh, in the first one of the, the when you listen to the radio when you're hungry. Um, when you listen to the song, it does sound like they're saying ham. Like as soon as you have that word in your head, you can't unhear ham. Uh, you don't quite hear them pronounce the D at the end of hand. And um, so that like those are usually quite good. It's the ones where people, as soon as they hear it or, or make that connection in their brain, they can't unhear it or... So I get a lot of people saying I've ruined non-generic rien for them because they're like, oh, I keep hearing non-ria to ria now. I don't hear, you know, uh, the the actual lyrics. So, yeah, it is, a, it is a very fine Venn diagram to get to those perfect, perfect songs. Um, and yeah. I've been listening in my car, just putting my songs on shuffle and seeing what pops up with a view to could you make a flip chart out of this? 
Um, and sometimes it's just a line like uh, Tiffany, I think we're a low noun. Yes. Alone now. So that could be a low noun. Yes. And of course, a low noun is a bottom. Yes. Um, but then there's nothing else on the rest of the song. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So that's um, the Radio Hungry one came about because I um, realised how hard it was to find an entire song yes. to, to miss here, especially one that ended on a great, like the, the fact that it sounds like she's saying suck them off Avatar. Yeah. It's such, it's, it's just rude enough to be a little bit shocking, but not so rude that people complain. Um, and, uh, and it's really immature and it does sound like she's saying that. So that's a beautiful ending to the to the non Regret Rien one, whereas uh, so many other songs, they just don't have a clear ending or a funny ending, and that one had such a nice punchline that came with it. So um, for a long time, I tried to find what the next Edith Piaf song could be, what the next one would be, and, um, and in the end uh, realised that I was focusing so much on that that I... Um, was ignoring all the other bits where there's great bits in bigger songs yeah. that, that when you take them out of context. So that's why the, when you listen to the radio, when you're hungry, that came about. Cause I went, I'll just do a medley. I'll just, I'll just get someone to edit together all the, I'll find all the bits in the songs and get them to edit it. So it doesn't sound awful. And then we'll, we'll do that. And, um, and that worked really well. So, um, so I'll probably stick to that for quite a few more things. And then that way uh, I don't have to, use an entire song. I mean, the other problem is with using an entire song is um, if you then want to use it somewhere, but they, but someone or you can't get the rights to that whole song, then you, you can't use it at all. You've lost the whole thing. So if you had to get rights for everything? Uh, I have to, I have to pay um, Royal. I have to, well, actually any act who performs should have a PRS or PPL license, which is um, essentially covers all the music that you use when you perform. Um, So uh, I have that anyway. Um, But when it comes to uploading to to stuff online, um, depending on where you put it, you have to jump through a few hoops. The, the, the medley one was, problematic in that um I then had to dispute a lot of copyright claims on it not to say that I owned it which wasn't the case at all and I didn't want to monetize I can't monetize any of them because none of the the music is mine um but I also I briefly had it taken down because of the use of the Beatles and then um I was able to appeal it on the grounds that it is both uh under it's under 30 seconds it can't be used as a replacement for the song so if you were trying to find the song and play it as a background music for something you wouldn't play that video because it's a part of a much bigger thing um and 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 i had to argue on parody and also the fact that i had that my video interpretation meant that the song then took on a new meaning that it wouldn't have without my video so there's a lot of different things I had to do to prove that um that it should be allowed that I can even show it never mind you know any other rights I don't really as I said I don't have rights to to monetize it but um that's a lot of admin isn't it? a lot of admin yeah but um but it, it it's good for live stuff I really enjoy performing them live and um and it's been a good way of getting my name out there is all. I mean, ultimately, the flip chart's usually about at maximum about three minutes, 
each and I do have good jokes and stories and stuff to do in between them so if it gets the audiences in and then I get to show them that I'm pretty capable of of doing other stuff while uh, while they're there then um, they've done their job is it almost like a greatest hit though now do people expect the flip charts um yeah people I it's funny I, sometimes I'll show up to a if a gig's sort of less than than 20 minutes I'll sometimes show up without the flip charts because especially if it's new material night I'll, I'll usually just show up and try the new material um but every now and then I'll, I'll show up to a gig if I don't have the flip charts and you'll see the promoter just sort of looking for the looking for the portfolio and when they know say oh you've not got your flip charts and I say oh no no I didn't need them to oh okay okay <laughs> and it's almost like yeah you've forgotten your double act you've forgotten the other the other half of it um but I but I've never had anyone complain I've never had anyone say uh, outright that they didn't enjoy a set because I didn't have flip charts um but yeah I think it's it's just a nice thing isn't it it's a nice way of, of uh keeping people's attention yeah yeah I think maybe I could... No, I can't do it on a podcast, can I? They won't be able to see them. <laughs> no, no, they won't be able to see anything. You can, But they can Google me. Have you considered um, Ness and Dorma? Uh, I, I don't know it off by heart. Will you sing it to me? Sing it to me. Maybe mm. I'll know it. Is it in another language or is it... Yeah, it's Italian. It's um, Pavarotti's most famous. Oh, so, um, yeah, I have listened to that one. The um, rousing. Yes. At the end. Yeah, I have listened to that one um, several times, but there's a lot of, first of all, there's a lot of instrumental bits without uh, yes. words between them, which like means... It's a karaoke song, isn't it? Yeah, you exactly. don't want the big... Yeah. Exactly. So, there, so there'd be a lot of um, filler in between those lines. Um, some of the bits are slightly too quiet, um to to miss here um just because there's they're they're sort of mm. uh, oh, yeah, and you yeah. could try and do that but it you know it's it's gonna be stretched the other two things is um uh, jade adams at the time that i was looking at it was that was sort of her closing thing is that she would sing that because she's an opera singer yes um and uh and I didn't really want to step on her toes by there being another act on the circuit using the same opera song um not that I'd be singing it and you know maybe in the future we could we could double up and do something but um I uh yeah there was just a few things in the way that uh that I thought about the um I mean I'm not short of ideas of things that I want to do. It's the the time it takes to create them that that is the main problem. Yeah. Um, if I could have more time, that would be lovely. But alas, there is rent to pay. Uh, right. Let's find this pronunciation. So where are we? Six. Oh, seven. Number seven. Okay. You ready? Yes. Here's the next one. Bitsubara. Bitsubara. Uh, Betsubara is Japanese and it, it literally translates as another belly and it's the word given to the separate stomach you have for dessert which feels so fitting yeah I love that second stomach yeah it's good isn't it uh, one of my friends actually um, uh, would always say that uh, you, there's always room for ice cream because it melts and it fills in all the cracks <laughs> and I really like that that visual but uh, yeah I think uh so, yeah, everyone has a bed to batter. And what uh, what dessert are you most um, 
I'm a cheese person, actually. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, and I usually have room for cheese. Um, maybe if I'm really full, I, I'll forego the crackers and just eat the cheese. Um, but yeah, I do. I do like my cheese. Uh, if I was going for a sweet dessert, you can't really go wrong with anything chocolatey. I think I, I've, I've, I'll always like a chocolate. Although as I get older, I do that thing where, like, as a kid, I couldn't understand why anyone would have like a cheesecake or or a creme brulee when there was chocolate on the menu. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, it's a bit bit too sweet for me. I'll have a, have a, a more lemony type snack. Because you go a bit less sweet-toothed as you get older, I think, which yeah. is very strange. I'm definitely a lemony guy. I think... Um, lemony guy! My Betsy Barra has got its own taste buds, and I think they're lemony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I think we should... Um, you should, someone should uh, review this on iTunes or, where, or wherever you get your podcasts and just say, Nathan Good is a lemony guy. I could, I could deal with that. <laughs> There's the merch. Lemony guy. But um, just thinking now, mm. uh, having said that my Betsu Barra has its own taste buds, we have um, receptors all down our digestive system oh. that... Um, that when they, if, if you smooshed them all together, they would be the size of a cat brain. Wow. So bits of our brain are dotted all along our insides. Or of a cat brain. Maybe. Maybe we all have a cat brain dotted down our insides. So another hack. So we've all got second stomachs and we've yeah. all got cat brains. This sounds like something that could happen in Design Spark. Yes, it could. Um, I could talk about that, but I'm genuinely very worried about your time at the moment. So I think we should move on to the next word because it links really nicely from this. Okay, take it on. Um, so we've, we've had bets and batter with a separate stomach. That My next word uh, is, um, we still use it today, but it's an ancient Greek word that has made it into our lexicon, which is diarrhea. Diarrhea is from ancient Greek. Uh, and the reason I like diarrhea as a word is that in ancient Greek, it literally translates as through flowing which is very apt so i think yeah i think if uh, as soon as you need to empty your betsubara (laughs) that's when you start through flowing and your brain says this is this is going to happen quick at tulu yes yeah yeah in fact one of my favorite there was a a, an australian comic uh, probably a good 15 years ago who uh who once said um uh, i hate when you're when you're uh you know where the nearest toilet is and then your bowels say, I'll race you. <laughs> <laughs> and as a sufferer of IBS, I definitely, uh, definitely feel that. Feel that in, uh, feel that in my gut. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I've got a bit of OCD, so I feel like we should still hear diarrhea on the uh, app. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Let's see how, uh, let's see how Google says, uh, says the word. I'd already brought up the next word, actually. I was getting ahead oh, of myself. Oh, sorry. Oh no! Don't meantime, I'm not. I'm not the one that you. needs to be somewhere. <laughs> so I've, I've also been diagnosed with IBS. Oh yeah. And I've I've had inroads into improving it. So there's a thing called DNA restart, which is just just a diet. And I went on it to try to lose a bit of weight ahead of being the best man at a wedding. Yeah. I wanted to look the best at the wedding. Yes. Because I was the best man. Exactly. Um, and as a byproduct of going on this diet, which is all sort of making sure that byproduct you're... is a bad word to use when we're talking about uh, IBS as a <laughs> side effect. Side effect <laughs> of the diet. It, it seems to have softened. And I can't use softened either. Can't. <laughs> It seems to have rounded off the edges yeah. of how severe the, the peaks and... Tr- oh, fucking hell. It's it just, this is, it? Yeah, it's Everything. rough. 
<laughs> but it's it's you know I'd recommend it as a as a thing to try. Well, see, I've I've had um, there's also FODMAPs, which is an acronym for words I've forgotten. Yes, and um, uh, and I do know that there's. It makes sense that if you eat certain things, it'll it'll ease up the IBS. Um, but I've come to realise that the things I like to eat are worth it. Yeah. So I I um what it does mean is that um I'm occasionally it does mean I've stopped having like when I have to fly I won't have a coffee before my flight because I don't want to be caught short on a flight. Um, regardless of the fact there's toilets there, I don't really want to be taking up the loo while I'm on the on the flight. Um. So I'm a bit smarter with my ideas, uh, with my uh, eating habits now. But uh, oh, I just, you know what? I just love bread and cheese yeah. so much. Especially and when I'm combined not willing on a pizza. To stop. Yeah, like I'd rather, because I, because I mainly work from home during the day, I have that, that lovely privilege of, of knowing that if uh, if the next day my obesity is particularly bad, it's probably not going to affect affect things too much. It's a problem when I have to be somewhere by a certain time, yeah. and then of course then then my stomach kicks in and goes, "Hey, I know that you're going to get a bus soon. I think I might uh, I think I might send you to the loo." And you're like, ah, that's when I end up sending very panicked texts to people saying, "I'm not going to be there on time." And is it something that makes you late? regularly is it a... um it's uh see i because i tend to find that my ibs gets set off by stress more yes. than anything um and if i'm running late for something that's usually when it decides to kick in um i wouldn't say all the time but i would say i've got certain friends who are very used to that being an issue being a reason that i'm running late for something yeah but they're very understanding everyone's pretty pretty chill i probably should be more adult and just not have pizza the night before I have a um, catch up with friends the next morning, but oh, you know, you can't make me choose between pizza and friends. No. Preferably both. Maybe I should just meet them. Maybe I should just have them round for pizza the night before. And then that way we get past it quite easily. Yeah. Let's uh, see how, uh, let's see how Google translate says diarrhea. Diarrhea. Wow. What? Oh no, I've accidentally done it from Italian. Oh. Here we go. Diarrhea. It's very standard, isn't it? I prefer the diarrhea. Time. And the Italian one was good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, can we rename... Let's try and find them. Diarroia. Yeah, it's way Diarrhea. better. Diarroia. Mmm. It's much sexier. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't come tonight. I've got... <laughs> Diarroia. <laughs> oh, I forgive you, because that's such a lovely word that you just said. I've forgotten entirely what the problem was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, we've we've still got five more to get through. Let's move on. Let's do this. Uh, right, the next one is... Uh, this is number uh, five, um, which I really like. So this one is, uh, is a German word. Schildkröte. Schildkröte. And Schildkröte means turtle, but it literally translates as shield toad. Which I love. I love the idea that a turtle is a toad with a shield. It's so cute. It's like a hermit crab for reptiles. Yeah. Can we hear it again? Because at first I thought it said shit. Shit cruiter. Does sound like shit, doesn't cruiter. it? Cruiter. Shit cruiter. I like shit cruiter. Yeah, that's even better, isn't it? Yeah. A poo with a shield. Oh, <laughs> that's the opposite. That'd be of horrible to pass. Yeah. Turtle or tortoise, actually. But yeah, little little shield with a little toad with a shield. What other animals could we rebrand? Uh, 
Let's see. Horse I with think... a neck, giraffe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, a seal is is just a a, a sea dog. Nice. That's probably yeah. a thing, is that's probably where the term sea dog comes from. It's not yeah. just for people, isn't it? Sea dog is more of a seal. Dog of the sea. It sounds a lot more sort of poetic. Yeah. Yeah. I could get on board with that. But yeah. I think we're sort of back in finger tones territory here, aren't we? It's like say what you see. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well there's um uh I'm I, I've heard it for a lot of different cultures, but obviously I grew up hearing it in there's a lot of different Aboriginal dialects because there's a lot of tribes. Um, but, uh, but in certain parts of Australia, apparently there's, there's places that, um, uh, that when translated into English, just, uh, translate as to, um, hand or finger because the settlers would come and speak to the indigenous people and say, what, what do you call that? And they would hold out their finger to point at something. They'd be like, uh-huh. what's a finger? <laughs> so there's apparently a lot of places that are just named finger or hand or, or there uh-huh. rather than, you know, what the actual thing is, which I quite like. I, I don't, that, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I can't back it up with any sort of proof. So don't need it. Heard it on a podcast. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, I love that. That's brilliant little in jokes for the indigenous people. Yeah. So a shield toad feels like something. That I think it sounds like a Pokemon. Future. Oh, it does. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I think um, I would catch a shield toad. Well, if if, if I was good enough, if so, they've got a shield, then you know. Um, I think it'd be like the Captain America of toads. Feels like the sort of thing that you might have brought back from the future, and I'll be back. Um, can we talk much about that? Is it still an ongoing thing that you'd want to keep spoiler free? Yes, because uh, we filmed it. We filmed it. It's going to come out. Um, it, it will later come out this year on Next Up, which is the um, the streaming service for comedy shows. But we also filmed it with a high definition 360 degree camera for a new platform called Liver, which is spelled L-I-V-R. And they generally specialize in theater stuff. But uh, so I, I sort of said to them, look, I've done the show about the future. Um, I think it's best viewed as someone sitting in the audience. I think you should put me on your platform. And they said, well, we only sort of do theatre. And I said, it's basically theatre. It's just got jokes. Uh, and I managed to convince them. So I'll be the first comedy show on their platform. Um, and that will be coming out in early November. So I haven't officially announced it yet. So this is this is hot news. Oh. Um, but yeah, so when people sign up to Liver, they, uh, it's about £6 a month. You get sent a, if you don't already have one, you get some little plastic headset in the, in the post to put your phone in. Or if you have an Oculus, you can you can uh, download the app on there. And uh, yeah, and then once once a month, you can um, choose a choose a, a show to, to watch as if you were sitting in the audience. So, um, which feels very apt for a future show that you can watch it in virtual reality. Yes. Mm. And it is a show that I really don't want to do spoilers. And it is a show yeah. that I felt I wanted to look around at certain points. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's um, I I think it'd it'd both be interesting for people who who did manage to see the the live version because um, some of the best feedback I got from people saying that they wanted to come a second or third time or or such because they wanted to work out what bits were intentional and what bits uh, um, you know whether certain things happen in every show or not um 
and so this this will give them a better idea of of whether that's the case um but i also like it because it means you could sit there and turn around if you were in the show that got recorded you can watch yourself which i think is <laughs> hilarious but also you could if you're uh if you want to study people's faces as they're watching yes. it if you yeah i think it's a really interesting way to to release it and that'd be great for you as the producer of it because you can just spend your time seeing the audience reaction can't you that's perfect for gaining feedback yeah yeah i mean i'm not doing the show again live so i probably won't need to take that many notes um it was a very expensive show to put on um so i uh, i i cannot afford to put it on again at least not not with my limited resources at the moment but who knows maybe maybe 10 20 years down the track when i've amassed a larger audience it'll come back with popular demand i feel very privileged to have seen it then i think I've i'm glad you made it yeah emailed you at the time and said i thought you'd won edinburgh oh yes thank you the only email i sent of that description like saying that sort of thing i really thought it was fabulous oh thank you very much um, and e- even a little attention to details like the box that you were wearing on your head the music that was playing when we were coming in it all sort of had little pointers thank you i'm glad you, you picked up on those yeah i do i like um i like the little easter eggs i like to put things in there that for the more attentive so uh yeah it's nice when people notice them so i'm gonna stop blowing the smoke up your hoop yeah my hoop <laughs> that's very just, irish i just customized it again yeah us I'm we're very literal blowing smoke up your ass yeah. and shall we move on to the next <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, so this next one is a welsh word um and uh i am um, i do like this one very much um so this is it in welsh it means ladybird, but it literally translates as little red cow. Oh, just so cute! I love it. As long as no one tries to milk it. That's a very little red cow, isn't it's it? It's a very tiny little red cow. I I like the fact that cows aren't like giant ladybirds. I've just put. Uh, yeah, your head's about to speak. explode, Nathan. But what? Ha- are aphids baby ladybirds or they're a completely different thing? I think they're a completely different Oh, thing. shit. Because ants milk them, don't they? Ants milk aphids like we milk cows. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, um, oh, I wish they... Ooh, they were... aphid milk. Sounds horrible. Don't knock it till you've tried it. That's true. That's oh, true. And you would need a lot of it. It would be very expensive. So much. It makes me think of uh, Jay Foreman, your previous guest, uh, song about caterpillar sick. Um, that's a great one as well. Well worth a listen for anyone listening. Uh, check out Jay Foreman. I think it's just called Caterpill- Caterpillar Sick or My Car. Anyway, it's very good. I'm sorry I didn't get that on my research. I can't. I can't help you there. Oh well, I, I mean, I've, I've, uh, you'll, you'll have to research it yourself. Yeah. When you go back and, and edit this, you'll, uh, you'll hear this as a, as a reminder. Right. I've got this next one. Okay, let's do it. Yep. Here we go. This is a Swedish word. Bonus barn. Bonus barn. Uh, it's spelt bonus barn. Bonus barn. Uh, and it means stepchildren or oh. step. Yeah, bonus like, ec- bonus kids. Which make it's so much nicer than step. Yeah. Or like, I, so I imagine stepmother is like the translation of bonus mum, which is so nice. Oh, yeah. No one has an evil bonus mum. Although, is that, does that sort of denigrate the original mother? Does it, is it sort of, could it make her feel bad? 
Uh, well, no, I don't think so. I think if, um, no, I think a bonus is just seen as an added extra, but a, but a positive one. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I said, um, you get, uh, if you buy that chair, you get a bonus chair free. Yeah. You're not going to like the, the new chair more than the first one. No. But you're, you're going to be like, yeah, free chair. It's like buy one, get one free. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bog off. <laughs> Bog off bonus, mum. <laughs> Stop talking to me like that. Go to your bedroom. You're grounded for being rude. Um, we're flying through them now, aren't we? We are. We've got uh, two more. Two more. Uh, so number uh, number two on my on my list, coming down to the to the number one favorite, is a French word, uh, and it's just I'm just very very immature when it comes to this one. Um, but uh, so this is a French word. Cook. 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 Uh, and cook uh, means shell in French. <laughs> but I, I, I just like the word cook. <laughs> I think whenever I think of that, I just imagine that like a, there's a snail with a very, very big shell out there who's doing very well with the ladies. <laughs> so le cook, sportif, the clothing range. I think that's spelt with just... So this one, cook, is a C-O-Q-U-E. But I believe le coq is a C-O-Q, which, I'm, which I believe is cock like cock, cock, as in cockerel. Yeah, so it's I think that's used in the same way yeah. as uh, that we use it. So what would happen if you had a cock cock? Like a, a cockerel with a, with with a, a shell. shell. Yeah. <laughs> then, you, then you're getting onto shield toad. Shield toad. Yeah, yeah. So going back to just not quick enough of thought. <laughs> thinking we could tie that back and I just can't get there in time. <laughs> So we've had a shield toad. Yes. And now we've had a shell, which, yeah. again, it sort of feels quite Becky. They yes. feel like Becky things because you have a recurring lobster. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, it's behind you on a, uh, on a shelf. I know. Really jump I know. out it's at me, is it? Hidden behind something. Is it in a box? It is. Uh, it's, uh, it's in a bookshelf. Um, yeah, the lobster... Uh, Originally, we bought that. Um, I was in a double act with another comic called Tom Goodliffe. Uh, we did a kids' show called Beck and Tom's Awesome Laundry. And when we were writing our characters, who were sort of more extreme versions of ourselves, uh, we, we wanted to put something where Tom had all these facts about something. And we're like, he has to be obsessed with something. I said, lobster, you should be obsessed with lobster. And and I, I enforced that on him, saying that you're obsessed with lobster. And he slowly started to realise that that was an excuse for me to start... Uh, buying lobster things for the show uh, so I think I was projecting somewhat um, and uh, so we bought this lobster poppet for the show and um, uh, that that he would uh, that would attack him at the end of the show and uh, then the Beano so that was several years ago and then the Beano were filming a bunch of sketches for um, for Sky and um, for, the, for the channel and um, I suggested a, an unboxing character as in, because uh, on YouTube, unboxing is a really big thing. It's a very, very big industry now where it's just people who get sent stuff and open the boxes on camera and talk about what it is. And um, and I wanted to do a YouTuber who every time they go to unbox their, their package, there's a lobster in it <laughs> and uh, that attacks them. And I had to think of more and more creative ways that the lobster could be hidden in this box 
but yeah, so it was just a, a six sketches of about a minute and a half each um, with the ongoing gag that, that there's a lobster at the end of it that attacks me. I just find it very silly. <laughs> and did you approach Sobino with that or do they come to you and say, make us something? Uh, so they, they asked if I had any ideas and then I, and then I, and I think they were looking for YouTube type stuff. And I'd sort of had the idea a while back, and and then pitched it to them. And their first question was, "Do you own a lob own the lobster puppet?" Um, so I love the idea that they nearly didn't make it because they didn't have a lobster puppet. Um, I don't think that was the case. I think they were trying to work out what their props budget would have to be if they if they commissioned them. Um, and thankfully, I was able to to send them. Uh, a photo of the lobster to say that I owned it. Um, fun fun fact, um, to find it, I was away when they asked and I said, I'm not at home so I can't take a photo of it because they wanted to see what the puppet looked like. So I Googled it and I found the puppet online um, but because I didn't realise this, it's been made by a very um, well-regarded hand puppet company, uh, I think called Folk Manus and, um, and it's been discontinued so the most recent version I could find was 120 pounds. Wow. Whereas I think it cost us about 30 or something when we first bought it. So it's a collector's item now. It's our little lobster. Yeah. yeah. Retirement nest egg. That's right. That's right. There's nothing else going for me. So I'll eventually sell that baby off, move to the Cayman Islands or wherever it is that retired rich people go. Yeah. Oh, I wish I knew about unboxing. I've just received my first and probably last ever influencer freebie through the post ah what was it It it's a taskmaster board game that's very exciting i've just finished all of the the tasks in the book so ginger fox the company oh it's workler i'm talking about it (laughs) the company that made the board game sent me one through fantastic nice yeah yeah you should have unboxed that oh damn next time tell them tell them that you need another one to unbox yeah i should shouldn't i i'll just fake it say oh i forgot to put the video up yeah yeah just put put, put it back in it get a really big box as well <laughs> a box within a box within a box within that's a... right yeah. always works so we're nearly there back yeah um, number one which i can't say is one word in itself it is more of a phrase but i i just think it's too good for it to not be in the top 10 but before we get there mm. sorry this is going to be dragged out even further no um before we get there are there any words like like you said about Schadenfreude? Words that we should have but don't have, so we would nick them from elsewhere. Are there any things that you can think of off the top of your head? Because really putting you on the spot now, that you think we should have a word for that we don't currently have a word for? Oh, uh, or at least not one that I know of. Um, I think there should be a word for. I feel like I tweeted something about this recently, and I don't know what it was. Um, I definitely think there needs to be a word for the difference between your attitude to a full roll of toilet paper and a nearly empty roll of toilet paper. Oh yeah. Like because when you when when it's run out you really go, "Oh, I should have appreciated that toilet paper." But when when there's when you've got a fresh roll, you're quite liberal with it. And I don't think we ever learn I think we always think that it's a, a limitless supply. And I guess you could apply that to anything, like when it comes to uh, being low on any type of thing you use a lot of, um, whether it's dishwashing detergent or, um, in my case, gum. I really like gum, so I get annoyed when I can't, when I when I run out of gum. Um, so I think, yeah, there needs to be a word for that. There needs to be a word for that, 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 uh, that, 
difference between being frustrated that it's almost out, but then when you get it, you don't appreciate it. Yeah, I think mm. it needs to be a long, wise, maybe Japanese-sounding word. Yeah, I think that would. They might already it. have a word for it. I can think of several words for the people that run a toilet roll out and don't replace it. I think it's honey in Arabic, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was at number 10. Should we have a quick skip through the words we have had before we get to number one in a chart sort of fashion? Yes. Or is that not achievable because you want a different I can't screen? find the, the Google Translate ones for them, but we can try to pronounce them. That would be much more fun. So, <laughs> uh, so we had ashul. Yep. <laughs> followed by dita de paydi. Paydi. Uh, That's fingers and feet. You, I don't know how you say the next one. Oh yeah, it's very hard. A shark biscuit. A shark biscuit. Very good. Well, thank you. Betsabara, the stomach, <laughs> diarrhea, the shits. Shildkrota. Oh yeah, it sounded a bit like shit, didn't it? Shildkrota. 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 Uh, anyway, yep. Shildtoad. Bod got gotha. Gotha. Bod got. I mean, when it comes gotha. to Welsh, it, it, anything's a goer, isn't it? Bonus so, barn. Yes. Cock. <laughs> And at number one... And at number one... El de la vergüenza. That's a Spanish one. El de la vergüenza. El de la vergüenza. And El de la vergüenza uh, literally translates as the one of shame. And it specifically refers to the last piece of food on a shared platter that everyone is too polite to take. Are you too polite to take it? Uh, yeah, um... Depends what what I'll is. do is I'll definitely not take it and then I'll I sort of give it in a, a certain amount of time and then I'll I'll usually be the one to break the silence. He goes, Does anyone mind if I <laughs> if I do it? Unless of course it's one of those things where you realise that it works out to an even taking it. Like um like I ha- actually did have some friends around for pizza the other night and uh and we got those uh those chicken kickers that are like nuggets and um and um three of us were eating them and uh, uh, I think it, I'd worked it out that we got four each. So I knew that by the time we we got to the last one, I'd only had three. So I knew I would have, I think the last one would be mine. So I went for it. I didn't have any, didn't have any problems taking that one. But did you need to qualify it with, oh, now I've only had three? Or, I did have to, knew. I think I said, uh, yeah, I think that one's mine, isn't it? I think I like very, made it very clear that I wasn't being rude and that it was like, yeah, yeah, we've, we're up to... See, I'm a I've big counter. I like to know that things are at least sort of almost fair. But yes. if there was someone there who wasn't a counter, do, do people not count and think, oh, right, there's 12 of them, four of us, there's three each or whatever. So do you think, are there people that wouldn't count it, do you think, in the world? And then they think, oh, how, how would you know that's yours? There Why would are you either that? be people who don't count or there would be people, like there'd be people who don't count who think it's rude or people who don't count who take more than they should. Uh. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not friends with either of those types. <laughs> I reckon all my friends are counters. That's a good way to live your life. Although that said, yesterday I did have uh, coffee with some friends and we had a little plate of biscuits, but I didn't know how many biscuits were there before we put down the plate. And uh, and so there, there was one left and we were all polite, too polite to take it. And at one stage I realised it was gone. So one of the other two <sighs> girls had taken one. But I didn't know if that was a fair thing because I don't know how many she'd had versus the rest of us or um, or whether it was rudeness. Easy. And in the end, I decided just to forget about it until this point where you brought it up and realised I definitely thought about it too much. 
So you can still be friends. We can still be friends. Well, I don't know which one it was, so now I have to either be suspicious of both of them. You don't even know which one it was. What, they just snuck it? Yeah, yeah, I didn't even notice. I was watching it for ages, and then next thing I knew it was gone. And I hadn't even noticed. What was it? Oh, there were these little round ones from, like, it was very strange. They were yam-flavoured, but they were very tasty. Yeah. So easily pop a balloon in one bite. Yes, yeah, yeah, little bites. Yeah, yeah, so... Do you remember anyone in the conversation saying, hey, look, what's that over there? And pointing off in the distance. No, no, we were all busy sort of working on stuff, so we are all looking at our screens. So that's a problem these days. We're so engrossed with our screens, we're not realising food is being taken. And that's the real takeaway from this, I think. Yeah, and I actually now, harking back, I think that we need a word as well for... For those the, people. The people that take the, the last bit oh, as well yeah, as for the, yeah. the last bit itself. Yeah, that's true. I'm quite a glutton. So I'll just come out the traps, eat, 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 eat. Usually sort of keeping an eye on whether I've had my share, not yeah. going over that. I'm not an arse. Um, and then I'll, I can know that I can sit back and let someone else have the, the worry of the piece of shame at the end. Yeah. Because I've eaten my fill. See, I'm, I'm much, I like being the person to take the last thing. I'm Do the rollo. That's what it should be. It should be like the last rollo, whoever yeah. takes the last rollo, so it'd be, because what, YOLO is you only live once, so rollo would be like. Real only last. <laughs> Rollo's only last once. <laughs> and then you get into a sort of a, a, a matryoshka doll of, of the word rollo being within the word Rolo constantly. Beck Hill, <laughs> I don't know where to go from that, so should we quit while we're ahead? Let's quit while we're ahead. It's been lovely having you on. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. having me. So that was Beck. I had a lovely time chatting to her, but as you could tell, probably listening to it, um, I was a bit short on time towards the end as I had somewhere else I needed to be. And I was late getting there because of trains and bad planning and and Beck was much more sensible than I was, skipping along uh, a lot quicker through things, Um, either that or she was bored. Uh, I thought it was brilliant when she called me out on my stupid convoluted link. For some reason, um, I feel averse to putting in the musical stab between different points to change gear and prefer to try to do it all in conversation when... Really? I don't have to bother with that. So I found her calling me out on it very amusing. And maybe I'll review how I do things in Series 2. On the subject of which, I'll probably give it a few weeks. Try to get a few more guests up together beforehand. Get some episodes in the can. So who knows when. My Top 10 will be back on your podcast apps, but hopefully not too long. Thank you very much for listening to Series 1. I hope to speak to you again soon for Series 2. I hope you come back. hope you rate. hope you subscribe. And who knows, even donate via Patreon. So for now, have a lovely time. See you soon. Bye, 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 bye.